So if we dig specifically into the 90s, when things really started going south, it was primarily regarding concerns about body image and lack of racial representation and then the potential impact all of that on young girls' self esteem. Mm So Barbie at one time, if you can imagine, was immune to criticism. And then after this, kind of in the 70s, 80s, 90s, really in the 90s is when it went sour. Sour. (laughs) Uh, She became like a full-on battleground. Welcome to The Scaries, brought to you by RacerCo. I'm Sky, And I'm Talitha. We are proudly broadcasting from Treaty 4 territory here in Regina. And in each episode, we tackle the alarming, inconceivable, questionable, shocking, and scary statistics relating to impacting and intervening with the lives of women and girls worldwide. You'll hear the scariest truth, get tools and tips, and learn about what you can do about it. And the scariest is really an opportunity to raise awareness, share resources, and use our voices as women and supporters of women to make some real change. Um, We'd also like to note, as always, that these views and opinions expressed are solely our own, and the podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Um, And we may be sharing some content that could be triggering to you, so please listen with caution. As straight, cisgender, white, able-bodied settler women, we are aware of the privilege that we have, and we want to use this platform to spread awareness about the scary reality from around the world that women face in different life situations. Why? Because sometimes nothing is scarier than being a woman. Hi, Barbies. Welcome to part two of our Barbie series. This series is all about having a little bit of fun and chatting about one of our very favorite gals while still dropping the scaries, as we like to do. Frankly, we've realized that uh, doing this podcast, we needed a little bit of a break from like the cold. It's a little heavy sometimes. (laughs) It's a little bit dank. It gets hard truths that we're investigating every week, um, as you will find out next episode. Um, So this is something that we just wanted to take time and have a little fun. We realize that this is a very huge privilege that we can take time and step away, uh, but we really needed it and we needed to lean on fun this week. But first, happy episode 10. Oh my goodness. We made it. it. Double digits. Hope you're enjoying as much as we are. Thank you for listening up to this point. Um, It's been really fun and we are very, again, privileged to be able to do this. Um, Also, I'm super excited to do this fun episode this week because it's actually Skylar's birthday. Uh, So this is like a fun little (laughs) celebratory party time for her. Uh, We didn't want to go like too heavy (laughs) for birthday episodes. Heavy Uh, enough. Just turning the age I'm turning. So (laughs) (laughs) She's like, oh God. Uh, So anyways, this is Skylar's birthday episode too. So please wish her a happy birthday. She is a a queen and she deserves it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyways, so after outlining the history of Barbie in part one, and if you haven't listened to part one, please listen to part one. Um, Today's episode explores the fallout of Barbie, particularly prevalent in the 90s uh, during the goth grunge riot girl era and the third wave of feminism, as it's called, and then up until now into the fourth wave of feminism. So I'll speak for both Skylar and myself when I say that we grew up uh, with the Barbie of the 90s and mm-hmm. all the things that impacted that, so, which is why this episode will be heavily based on the backlash Barbie experienced in the 90s up into the 2020s, because it is something that we experienced 
experienced and that we live through. Um, and while hugely prevalent, it's also hu hugely relevant to our worlds. So buckle up because this isn't just about a doll. It's a journey through the twists and turns of history. <sighs> I love Barbie. Honestly, <laughs> like when I think about my, my childhood, it's mm -hmm. like, and think back on Barbie in general, even looking at Barbie today, because I have a young daughter that like, oh man, it's so nostalgic. And mm -hmm. honestly, it's mostly very positive. Like yeah. it's from my history and my thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and I honestly like, but now as I shop and I'm, my daughter's birthday is like the day after mine pretty much. <laughs> so I'm looking for gifts for her and she does really love Barbie. Um, and now I'm more aware though of True. like, what yeah. am I, what is she playing? What are the subconscious messages that are we sending through our toys, through our messages, you know, through so many things that we do in our lives. And um, I actually do feel like there may have been an impact on self-esteem and body image as a result yeah. of playing with Barbies my whole life. Um, now that I think about it. Right. So like, I mean, we grew up in the nineties. It was girl power, spice girls. Mm -hmm. It was, you can do anything, be anything. Um, do yeah. it you go girl all yeah. of that stuff um and I, like i'm still feel that way today and right. i feel like today that's similar messages that we're getting um but i think the biggest issue that now i didn't think about this as a kid right. again a lot of privilege that i have as a white woman um but there was not there is not and still a lot of inclusivity when we think right. about barbie mm -hmm. um and just like general representation of normal people right not just different ethnicities and abilities and different things like that but just what does a normal person look like do they have lines do they have scars do they have blemishes all those things that just barbie just did not have yeah. right so she i feel was like, like pristine right like yeah. everything is perfect yeah and even today they don't have that no yeah no not really any dolls have that if you think mm -hmm. about it um so just yeah i feel like that this idea of perfection and all the bars that it sets regardless of adding in some of those occlusive factors today there's still the there's still some improvement that we need to do yeah absolutely. um so i think that's where barbie needs to go next if mm -hmm. you're if you're listening mattel um i think we need to just <laughs> they are normally listening to yeah this like please just add in some of the can you imagine like barbie actually had cellulite or oh you know yeah. just even lines or like stretch marks or some like a couple blemishes yeah or yeah, yeah even if she wasn't so symmetrical like yeah. her one ear was bigger or one boob was bigger we all have yeah. one boob that's bigger yeah. <laughs> true, very true it's an actual fact so why aren't we showing those things yeah. that's normal yeah it's very very normal <laughs> anyway that's my thoughts next episode we'll be talking about how our boobs are different <laughs> <laughs> So if you look back at history, the negative black backlash against Barbie and her perceived impact on women and girls began to gain traction in the late 20th century. But it's sort of always been around since she first came to market. So picture this. It's 1959, the height of the Cold War, and Mattel introduces Barbie to the world as we've gone over in part one. But hold on, because things weren't all sunshine and rainbows. As ideas of feminism and womanhood changed over the years, so did Barbie herself. The civil rights movement was gaining momentum, and the second wave of feminism was making waves across various fronts, racial, sexual, and political. Yet in this tumultuous time, Barbie emerged seemingly unscathed from the intense criticism swirling around the world. To many, she was just a toy for little girls, transcending racial boundaries. Back then, Barbie was seen as a symbol of childhood 
untouched by the scrutiny of mm. progressive, socially conscious women. But oh, how the times would change. Oh, how the tables <laughs> have changed. Yeah. Um, so... As we know, Barbie sales soared over the years. It's mm-hmm. I feel like there's probably been some dips in the in the history, but right. really it's continued to she's lived on for so many years, for decades. Um, but she's also been the subject of protests throughout the time as well. And this is usually because of, like I mentioned, her unachievable figure. Mm-hmm. So since the 1970s, it was really she was, I mean, created in 1959, yeah. I think the year was. Um, so since the 70s, shortly after she was uh, launched, Barbie has been criticized for materialism specifically. She's yeah. got the houses, she's got the cars, she's got all the clothes you can ever imagine. Um, and of course, the unrealistic body proportions. Critics at the time argued that Barbie's exaggerated and unrealistic physique could not con- could contribute to negative body image and self-esteem right. among young girls. And feminists at Berkeley and around the world burned her in the 70s as a symbol of male oppression. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and again, these critics or these um, beliefs and perspectives are not really... They haven't gone away. No, they've been around in the 70s and they're still around. Um, So fast forward to the 80s and the 90s, a political U-turn took in the the United States, in particular to the right. Mm. An era of conservatism swept the nation and movements deemed too radical or insufficiently patriotic were targeted. I feel like that's happening right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it all happens. all comes back full circle. Full circle. The feminist movement found itself in the crosshairs of a stark backlash against women's Mm. liberation. So if we dig specifically into the 90s, when things really started going south, it was primarily regarding concerns about body image and lack of racial representation and then the potential impact all of that on young girls' self-esteem. So Barbie at one time, if you can imagine, was immune to criticism and then after this, kind of in the 70s, 80s, 90s, really in the 90s is when it went sour. sour. <laughs> uh, she became like a full-on battleground. And really, the very symbol of innocence faced scrutiny as societal norms shifted. Like I mentioned, she wasn't just a doll anymore. She was really a reflection of this ongoing ideological struggle that women faced. Right. So now, also happening in the 90s, a group known as the Barbie Liberation uh, Organization took center stage. In 1992, a teen talk Barbie hit the shelves. And if you haven't, if you don't know what this is, Google it and you can like see videos of what the video. Yeah. So this uh, Barbie had like a bunch of sayings programmed into her and she had phrases like math class is tough or let's go shopping. Um, And so for the Barbie Liberation Organization, this was the epitome of problematic narrative, obviously. (laughs) Right. Um, And this group actually hacked into the talking Barbie dolls, uh, replacing the recordings with those from G.I. Joe's, which is hilarious. (laughs) And really, the purpose, obviously, is to expose how these toys perpetuated outdated gender norms. Right. of aggressive masculinity and passive femininity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dr. Dolls found their ways back into the toy shelves just in time for Christmas 1993. So I cannot imagine. Imagine if you got one of those dolls. It would be a, a, the best thing ever. Oh, I wonder if right. parents like noticed or were cool with that or what they felt. Oh, yeah. I think that that would have been, first of all, hilarious. Like, so <laughs> funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. what were they? Did, I wonder if they had like the G.I. Joe voice to like, Ooh, oh, yeah. I think so, Barbie. probably. <laughs> yeah, it would be hilarious. This is Barbie possessed. What's happening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anywho, can you imagine? I can't. I mean, I no. guess we were like li- pretty little at the time. So, but I wonder yeah. if my sister had one of those. I don't know. That would have been 
incredible. I have an older sister, so yeah. yeah. Anywho, uh, at that time, critics argued that Barbie perpetuated, like we said, these unrealistic beauty standards and limited aspirations for young girls. So right. the toy that once brought joy and imagination was now really seen as this lightning rod for debates on gender rules and societal expectations. Oh, yeah. I would have uh, paid big money. To, I'm sure those actually are probably like still floating. They're probably like in a museum somewhere. Sure, a collectible somewhere. item yeah. you can find out there. Like... <laughs> so we scholars touched a little bit on like what was happening in the 90s but i think it's good to define what the third wave of feminism is and why it's so crucial to understanding the backlash that happened during this time so in the fall of 1991 north america was introduced to the anita hill clarence thomas hearings which thrust the issue of sexual harassment into the national spotlight we're not going to like go over all of the details but um if you don't know google that also and just do a little bit of research as the nation grappled with the implications of sexual harassment, particularly in the workplace, another battle was raging within the feminist movement. The third wave of feminism started in the mid-90s, led by Gen Xers. While they appreciated the progress made by earlier feminist waves, first wave and second wave, uh, they also criticized what they thought as incomplete work from the second wave. I mean, criticism fair but like you could only do so much at a certain well, I know. time so anyway yeah we're doing the best that we can <laughs> uh so third wave feminists inspired by postmodernism, aimed to challenge reclaim and redefine the concepts language and media that shaped ideas about womanhood gender beauty sexuality femininity and masculinity there was a significant change in how people viewed gender instead of strictly categorizing traits as either male or female the idea of a gender continuum emerged and very much so what we're seeing today in this realm third wave feminists expanded the goal of sexual liberation quote unquote from the second wave feminism era for them it meant becoming aware of how society shapes gender identity and sexuality and then actively constructing and freeing freely expressing one's authentic gender identity third wave feminists express their concerns by actively challenging and reinterpreting seemingly sexist images and symbols aka barbie mm-hmm. they used language with double meanings and irony transforming derogatory slang into proud labels. So the spirit of the third wave was evident in various forms, such as the honesty, humor, and shocking elements of Eve Ensler's play, The Vagina Monologues. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. This exploration covered a range of women's feelings about sexuality, from orgasm to birth to rape. The movement also found expression in the righteous anger of punk rock's Riot Girls and a playful yet serious subversion of the Gorilla Girls, a group of women artists who wore gorilla masks to masks to expose female stereotypes and fight discrimination against female artists. Hmm. Yeah, it was like very much a like taken back. Yeah. Taken back time, which I love. Uh, In 1991, Bikini Kill lead singer Kathleen Hanna wrote in the Riot Girl Manifesto, because doing, reading, seeing, hearing cool things that validate and challenge us can help us gain the strength and sense of community that we need in order to figure out how bullshit like racism, able-bodyism, ageism, speciesism, classism, thinism, sexism, anti-Semitism, and heterosexism figures in our own lives. Because we are angry at a society that tells us, girl, equals dumb girl equals bad girl equals weak but that was like oh yeah hits totally so here the world the word girl points to one of the major differences differences between the second wave and third wave feminism second wavers fought to be called women rather than girls they weren't Mm -hmm. children they were fully grown adults and they demanded to be treated with dignity 
There should be no more college girls or co-eds, only college women learning alongside college men. Hmm. But third waivers liked being girls. Hmm. They embraced the word girl. They wanted to make it empowering, even threatening, hence girl, like no I, a lot of ours. And as it developed, that trend would continue. The third wave would go on to embrace all kinds of ideas, language and aesthetics from the second wave had worked to reject. So like makeup and high heels and high femme girliness. This totally just brings up the Spice Girls to me and all the other pop stars of the time that oh, were yeah. those girl groups are always called girl, yeah. never women. Oh, I mean, yeah. they were very young. Oh, true. Right? But, yeah. but still. But it was even like, like the Dixie Chicks and like, yeah, right? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. And it was all like, like girl power. Like yeah. everything was like girl, but like, yeah, taking back that. Well, and I feel like they were speaking in a lot of those senses. They were speaking to girls like right youth. young young women um yeah. but yeah interesting yeah it's you can, i mean like reading this and like doing the research i was like oh yeah totally Make i totally sense. saw that yeah. yeah so the third wave of feminism also has more in, was also more inclusive of women and girls of color compared to the earlier waves in response to stereotypical portrayals of women as either passive and weak or domineering and promiscuous the third wave redefined women and girls as assertive powerful and in control of their own sexuality Again, where I think this like backlash against Barbie came. Mm-hmm. So with all of that, the 1990s also saw a significant increase in criticism regarding Barbie's influence on body image. With the rise of research on the impact of media and toys on self-perception, many began to argue that Barbie's impossibly tall and slender figure could contribute to unrealistic beauty standards and potentially lead to body dissatisfaction among girls. But more on that in a little bit. So, I mean... We've chatted about this kind of in the intro and even in our our first episode mm-hmm. around Barbie. Is is Barbie based on all of her careers and the fact that she right. shows that girls could be anything? Um, this symbol of empowerment and this badass woman paving the way for young girls to dream big. Or is she this sexist symbol of perfection and untainable, unattainable beauty standards or body standards? Yeah. Um, realistic, uh, perpetuating an unrealistic beauty uh, that none of us can ever, literally, it's impossible to model <laughs> after. Yeah. So, like, what is this? Or maybe it's both. I don't yeah. know. But it's a, a debate. And, and we're inviting you with the information we're sharing today to make your own kind of assumptions and decisions on this. Yeah, absolutely. So there were some key factors, though, that really contributed specifically to the scrutiny around Barbie at this time. So and I'll just name kind of the key ones. So the first one, like we shared many times, and it's probably the biggest one is those unrealistic body standards. Yeah. So this is the primary criticism. It talked about her unattainable physical proportions, which were seen as just never a possible Mm-mm. the doll she had obviously an exaggerated hourglass figure with a tiny waist a large bust long legs um really was a poor representation of a healthy and normal body especially for young girls mm-hmm. um critics argued that this unrealistic portrayal could contribute like we said to body image issues um and leading to just all kinds of eating disorders and different things down the road Tons, yeah. <laughs> on those same lines the other issue was the impact on self-esteem for girls. So studies and discussions in the 90s suggested a potential link between exposure to dolls like Barbie and negative self-esteem among young girls. The argument was that constant exposure to an idealized and unattainable body type could contribute to feelings of inadequacy and dissatisfaction with your own appearance, which makes sense. I feel like still exists even. Oh, yeah. 100%. The Kim Kardashians of the world. And and that's even more in it. Like, maybe not more, but again. Equally as attainable. Totally. Um, 
And then here's another piece that they uh, criticized was perpetuating gender stereotypes, which we mentioned. Um, so beyond the body image, critics uh, argued that she perpetuated these traditional gender stereotypes, even though she did a lot of like different careers, right. which was out out of the box for sure. Um, she still emphasized the fashion and the, mm. you know, appearance and, and that over like what she was learning and things like that yeah. in these roles. Um, and they were very often associated, she was very often associated with very feminine roles or stereotypes. Um, things that she was interested in were fashion, beauty and shopping um, and not some of those other things, even, yeah. even though those were her careers. Like even I'm sure when she went to the moon, she was like, but look at my cute, like Kinky my outfit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was all about uh, luxury and affluence and had all the things and needed all the things. And of course, this right. was a Mattel like sales tactic. Let's get oh, you, you need the Barbie house, you need the, the boat and all the things and 16 different types of cars. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, makes sense. But yeah. still, it perpetuated that you need all these things to be happy and to be full and whole. So yeah, yeah. yeah. There's that lack of diversity. We touched on this pretty heavily in the first episode, um, but just lack of representation of different ethnicities, especially in the 90s um, and not just ethnicities, but body types as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that was very limited, as we know. And then educational and career representation. So we do know that she did have a lot of pursuits and broke a lot of boundaries when it came to career types. A lot of them were traditional gender roles and didn't sufficiently propose promote aspirations in fields like STEM. So this was in the 90s. This has changed a little bit as as we've gotten right. closer to now. Um, she's she's seen in a lot more different types of roles, but back then it was still the traditional female roles. Yeah. So, yeah. So as a response to these criticisms, Mattel made efforts to adapt the Barbie, the Barbie's image and product line over the years. In the 90s and beyond, the company introduced dolls with more diverse career choices and eventually after decades of pushback, they undertook initiatives to diversify her body and added more ethnicities into the mainstream Barbie line as well. Debates, though, about the impact on body image and gender roles and self-esteem continued on to the 21st century. And I mean, they're still around today. Yeah. So speaking of that 21st century and moving into the fourth wave of feminism, and I will note, like, the third wave of feminism doesn't really have, like, an end date. Right. Like, it's like, when did it end? Don't know. But mm. into the 2000s is when we kind of see the fourth wave of feminism rise. So we're going to talk about that and then how this wave relates to the backlash Barbie has faced since moving into the 2000s. So many argue that the fourth wave, wave of feminism started around 2012, focusing on issues like sexual harassment, body shaming, and rape culture. Mm -hmm. Social media played a crucial role in addressing these concerns, and this wave emerged am amid notable instances, including a brutal gang rape in India in December 2012 that sparked protests and global outrage. Notable events also, such as the Me Too movement, emerged during this period, challenging sexual misconduct and injustice so like really it is taking that third wave of feminism which sprung from like the anita hill like sexual harassment mm -hmm. things and then just like kept continuing on the conversation yeah yeah so despite progress challenges persist activists address issues like reproductive rights, equal pay, and sexual assault. The fourth wave strives for full equality and participation for women, building on the achievements of earlier waves while adapting to contemporary challenges. Looking at Barbie through the lens of the fourth wave of feminism in the 2000s, despite attempts to diversify the Barbie line, criticism has persisted. Some argue that the fundamental concept of Barbie as a fashion doll still emphasized 
physical appearance and materialism over other qualities like I don't know her brain mm -hmm. uh, discussions around gender stereotypes and the influence of toys on shaping children's perceptions also gained prominence in 2018 a documentary tiny shoulders rethinking Barbie provided a detailed look at the Barbie phenomenon from business ethnic political and psychological perspectives the documentary peels back the layers of the Barbie phenomenon offering a detailed exploration from various angles Mattel the powerhouse behind the iconic doll obviously was at a crossroads faced with shrinking revenues and dwindling consumer base the company devised a plan in 2016 to introduce a new new collection of dolls, a collection that aimed to mirror the full spectrum of racial diversity in both skin tones and body types. The do documentary continues to unfold, painting a picture of Mattel in crisis and on the brink of reinvention. Interviews with women from diverse racial and ethnic backgrounds, including Barbie historians, M.G. Lord and Amanda Foreman. First of all, I would also like to be a Barbie historian. I think that'd oh, be yeah. a really great title. What to is that? <laughs> I know. How do we get that job? Um, those two historians have provided, provided invaluable insights into the evolution of this cultural icon. So now in the 2020s, conversations around representation, diversity, and inclusivity in toys continue to be part of broader discussions about societal norms and values. While the brand has tried to address these concerns through product diversification, the ongoing discussions highlight the complex interplay between toys, media, and societal expectations in shaping cultural norms, particularly regarding gender and beauty standards. So now that we've had a brief overview of the history, thank you for that, mm -hmm. um, how everything's changed over the years. Um, let's chat about some of the main issues that Barbie had. And I kind of gave you the themes earlier, but let's get into them and give you some examples and some statistics. Mm -hmm. So around the theme of lack of diversity or the criticism of lack of, of diversity, as we touched on again in, in the part one of the series, um, there was a lot. In 1997, which is uh, a little far back and going into back to the third wave, but uh, worth talking about, Mattel released Oreo Fun Barbie, a sweet fashion doll based on the popular cookie. The white version of the doll sold really well. So later in the year, a black Oreo Fun Barbie hit the shelves. But there was a small problem. Oreo is also a derogatory slang term for a black person who is perceived as rejecting black culture and adopting white cultural norms mm -hmm. instead. Mm -hmm. The black version of the doll was quickly removed from stores. I mean, Okay, I understand that, but like who was at the table, which is, I guess, more of a question because oh, 100%. the whole debacle is actually a great example of why it's important for organizations to hire and promote diverse employees. Mm -hmm. If there had been more black people in the room or at the table when the black Oreo Fun Barbie was developed, it's possible that Mattel could have avoided this controversy altogether and not exactly. released it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Textbook example. Textbook. Uh, today, Barbie comes in um, 22 skin tones, 94 hair colors, 13 eye colors, and five body types, interestingly. Um, Just five. I mean, I think there's probably more than five body types. But. Yeah. But um, we're not going to get too deep in the lack of diversity because we've shared so much detail on that already in the especially in the first um, part one. Um, but there was a lot there, but we will get into lack of inclusion. So things like disabilities and, and things like that. So um, on top of ethnic representations that, that we faced, there was also a lack of inclusion around varying abilities. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned in part one, but in 1997, Mattel introduced a doll in a wheelchair. 
However, this is interesting. Again, a textbook example of who's at the table. Mm-hmm. A high school student who purchased the doll, um, she also had cerebral palsy, and pointed out that the doll wouldn't fit into the elevator of a Barbie dollhouse. So the company announced that it would redesign the doll or redesign the house to accommodate the doll so that she could live in her house and her house is more accessible for this type of Barbie. For her own self. Yeah. <laughs> So in recent years, Mattel also created dolls with hearing aids, prosthetic limbs, um, and of course, the wheelchair. And Mattel's goal with all of this was for all children to see themselves in Barbie um, and play with dolls who look like themselves. Mm -hmm. And most recently, this is great. I think this is last spring in Mm -hmm. 2023, a Barbie with Down syndrome was released by Mattel in an aid to make, again, further diversity and right. further inclusion. That's great. So, yeah. yeah, super cool. Um, so on top of that, misogynistic undertones. So no one can dispute that Barbie has, obviously, she's been a career woman. She's been shaping and breaking down barriers in terms of careers that are for women, men, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about that. And in her past, she's had over 200 careers, including recently STEM roles, which has been great to see. However, aside from the career-based dolls, we can't forget how some of her past dolls did really, like we chatted about earlier, perpetuate these misogynistic stereotypes, specifically around her aptitude for math and science. So <laughs> Math um, is tough. Exactly. So in 2014, <laughs> a brand caught STEM-related flack for depicting Barbie as incapable of fixing a computer virus without the help of two male friends in the book, I Can Be a Computer Engineer. So again, like she has all these careers, but all the accessories pointing to the fact that she's just there for like uh, arm the candy. Pretty, exactly candy. like yeah. uh, it was all just like clothing accessories and not actual like materials and resources for the job like um, the book is called i can be a computer engineer by barbie and mm-hmm. she can't she can't do it without the help of her two male friends in mm-hmm. the book yeah. So um, Barbie's also been present in generations of childhoods with billions of books sold. So she's obviously not just a Barbie doll. She has all the merch of all the yeah. things. Um, and the older you get, the more fraught conversations surrounding the brands like come. So yeah, we have books like I have Barbie books and Bar- there's yeah. Barbie movies and there's oh, Barbie yeah. TV Games, shows now yeah. and everything. But a lot of those are very heavy, heavily gender type stereotyped as well oh yeah for sure yeah uh so the final and most widespread complaint of barbie as mentioned throughout this episode and still to this day is her unrealistic body image so now we've already mentioned a couple of stats and examples on this but we wanted to go a bit further and share some actual studies conducted over time on the impact of barbie on women's and girls body image so a 1995 study in the international journal of eating disorders highlighted the unrealistic proportions of barbie's figure to match her dimensions a woman would need to be significantly taller increase her neck length chest size and decreased weight and decrease her waist size these proportions are extremely rare in women emphasizing the unattainable nature of barbie's physique and despite complaints by mattel that these proportions were for practical reasons i don't know which practical reasons (laughs) the representation of barbie in various media remains extremely thin and unattainable for adult women studies have shown that exposure to barbie particularly among young girls can influence body image perceptions as skylar has previously mentioned playing with barbie dolls has been linked to desires for thinner bodies among five to eight-year-olds. And even viewing pictures of Barbie can increase preferences for thin figures. Mm-hmm. That's just terrible. While Mattel introduced more diverse body types in 2016, as I said, 
including curvy, petite, and tall dolls. Research suggests that girls still prefer the original and tall Barbie over the curvy one. Negative attitudes towards the curvy doll were more pronounced in girls unhappy with their own bodies. And even the Mm. more flexible Barbie with realistic joints was reported to impact body image negatively. So... We're getting to the end of the episode here, but we want to know. So overall, who is Barbie influencing today? Is it is it just little girls? What age age ranges? So right now, the data tells us that around ninety percent still mm-hmm. in two thousand twenty four, ninety percent of three to ten year old girls own a Barbie, and in the U.S., girls age three to six typically have about a dozen Barbies each. Ooh. So, I mean, everyone's like, Barbies are out of the way. No one likes Barbies anymore. There's a lot of other things that you could choose from, but Barbies are still alive and well. Mm -hmm. Um, And while today's children obviously have more inclusive Barbie representations of, like we talked about the different body types and the different ethnicities, um, there's still room for improvement, like I mentioned at the beginning. (laughs) So, considering the impact of playing with or without Barbies, especially compared to our own childhoods, we can help gauge its influence on self-perception. So whether you allow your children to play with Barbies is a personal choice. Totally, mm-hmm. there's no judgment either way. Um, but there are some, we do have some tips of how you can, if you do, allow your child to play with Barbies, ensure they're, they're thinking about um, or avoiding uh, these unrealistic expectations right. being set in their brain. So some things that you can do. First, emphasize the capabilities of your child's body and their dolls rather than their parents. So, oh, cool. Barbie's a whatever. An astronaut. An astronaut. Look at all the things she can do. She's going to go to space. So focus on that rather than, oh, look at her beautiful long hair and that type of thing. Yeah. Be a positive body image role model yourself. Self. Speak well about your own body. This is something I always need to catch myself doing. I'm looking in the mirror and like checking all my things and yeah just again your daughter is totally watching watching. yeah Yeah. promote healthy eating habits of course framing food as fuel for the body um and of course appreciate it and compliment others based on their actions and what they're doing and their impact that they're having on others versus their appearance so all very like common sense things but good reminder to have i feel like as a parent these are things that i've really had to like pay super close attention to and like even like oh that's bad food or that's good food it's like no like there's that doesn't exist everything is just fuel for your body or like not criticizing like how i look or like mommy looks ugly like i mean oh totally like like just not saying things like that 100 percent. so we live in a society where criticism targets various aspects and it always will barbie um and it's never probably never going to stop let's look Mm -hmm. at let's be honest there's there's two sides to every argument and there's always going to be and probably more in the future just because there's so many ways to share your opinion yeah Um, but despite facing these numerous controversies over the years including the racial political sexual cultural and economic issues that barbie faced she still demonstrated remarkable resilience Mm -hmm. and really innovation like yeah, continuously innovating and changing. It's taken a little longer than we'd like, but honestly, and I think like there. what a great impact on, or like taking feedback and changing. Like I think that they, Mattel or like Barbie tries something and then like maybe it doesn't work out and like they take the feedback then they're yeah. like, okay, noted, we will change. So yeah. like while there is issues, I think that she's still doing things that like are trying to make it better. Totally. And you know what? I think this recent movie is going to, and like it kind of foreshadows or gets into like Mattel and how it's all a bunch of men at the table and making these yeah. decisions. I think that in itself will help change the dial and the narrative and how, where Barbie goes in the future. Just, I don't know how diverse the, Barbie creators are to up today, right. but it just kind of shines a light on, okay, 
this isn't right. Let's make some changes. And I think we'll see a lot more, totally, yeah. a lot more innovation, a lot more re- inclusive representation in the future. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today as we've confronted these not so terrifying, but real <laughs> and kind of fun and nostalgic statistics uh, around Barbie that have impacted women and girls through the ages. So stay tuned for more ways to together make a positive impact on women and girls and make it a little bit less scary for it to exist as a woman. Yes. And follow us on Instagram at raiseherco and at scaries.podcast and on TikTok at raiseherco. Remember that change starts with awareness and action, which we are doing here today, sharing the stats, talking about the stories. Uh, Please remember to rate and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for being a part of the Scaries community and making this world a little less scary to exist as a woman. Bye. Bye.